mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790 The Ticket. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get into in the world of UFC. But I got to start here. Uh, we have a thing on this show that has uh, it's been very, very important to this show for a long, long time. And it was started by Seaman Tommy Guns uh, years back. And it's just been an amazing, amazing cause every single year. Uh, an amazing, an amazing event that they do every single year i'm always blown away every year that this goes down and that is the march for cancer the march for cancer goes down this year on may 18th at dc alexander park right there along fort lauderdale beach you get out there for a beautiful beautiful run and i always say this this is it's it's not only just you're getting up there to do uh something great for an amazing cause but just the 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 community the family that you feel every time this thing goes down is just incredible. It, it really is. And, and, and you know, Seema a long time ago, who's, who's a cancer survivor, you know, one of the toughest individuals I really know with, uh, with all the things that his body's been through, he wanted to do something that was a little bit different as opposed to just the research and all the great causes. And that stuff is important. Like, like we're, not, we're not trying to say that it's not. The, the research and all the scientific breakthroughs that happen with cancer are, are super important. But there are day-to-day expenses that go with this for people who are going through this battle of cancer, whether it is just, um, you know, keeping their utilities on, getting rides, getting picked up, um, those those type of expenses that, that you don't think about all the time. You're, you know, everybody's thinking about the great breakthrough and, and, uh, and, and all the science behind it, which is very important, but also just the, the people who are fighting this every single day. And you know that we talk about fighting on the show every single day. But this is super important to to raise a lot of money for people in our community who who need those little expenses. Just help help with them because when they're going through this, you may not be able to get to work at at, at the rate that you do. You may not be able to be um, uh, 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 dealing with your life the way you normally do. So the March for Cancer has been an amazing cause. It's a five k run walk right there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. And it raises money that goes directly to those causes. Whatever the money they raise, it is going right to those people to help them with their fight right then and there. It's not something that's going to be down the road. It's not something that's going to be kind of put in the bank to uh, be used later. It's going right to them to help them right away as they deal with this incredible, incredible battle that they go through. So I really recommend everybody going out there. I'm going to be out there. Uh, the Toby clan is going to be out there. We are going to uh, support this great cause. And I enjoy doing it each and every year because of not only the, the, the great cause that it's behind, but just, man, it, it is one of those things where you feel like it, you, you get a, a real sense of community and family and all the people and lives that this has touched. You will see people who have put an entire team together that is just their family because it is so important that it it, uh, it it touches their lives and it remembers how they can help and how they can reach out. So if you guys want to register, um, do so now. Go to marchforcancer.org. That's marchforcancer.org. You can register now. It is May 18th 
DC Alexander Park, same place it's been year in and year out. It's a it's a run walk right there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. So if you're into running and you like going to do these types of things, get on out there. If you just want to go out there and stroll, you want to have the kids in a stroller or a wagon, you want to pull them for the 5K, that's cool too. It's not a, a super competitive thing, although they do give out awards for every uh, eight. If you want a cool little trophy, you want a cool little medal, go out there. They got those as well for, for age group, for, for gender group, for all that type of stuff. They got that going on as well. But I'm always blown away by the, the great work that Seaman and Tommy Guns do every single uh, every single year with this event. You know, they do a, a lot of good work in the community, but this one is, is near and dear to the heart because this is their baby. This is what they put together, and, and that's why we, uh, we really believe in it on this show and want to get the word out. So I just want to let you guys know, again, marchforcancer.org. You'll be hearing us talk about it uh, a bunch in the lead-up to it. It is May 18th. That's my, my daughter's birthday weekend, so we're going to go out there and, uh, and do this and hope you guys get out there as it is going to help those who are on the battle for cancer right away and every expenses that they're dealing with uh, to help them. I mean, Seema's told the story before. I mean, there's been women who have, who have kids and they're single moms, and, and now they have to go through the fight of cancer and, you know, can't work the same. And this has kept lights on. This has put groceries in their, in their fridge, things like that. So it's a, it's a very, very important cause. And uh, I hope many of you who listen to our show can help out. If you just want to donate, if you can't make it out, you can also do that as well by going to marchforcancer.org. So thank you guys. Thanks for hearing me out. And, again, you'll be hearing, uh, hearing a plenty about that in, uh, in the lead-up to the March for Cancer on May 18th. All right, let's get into the fights from last night. UFC Philadelphia, you had a a banger of a card. It really was it was it was hopping by, man. It was it was zooming by. The main event was Justin Gaethje against Edson Barboza. This was a hell of a throwdown. We knew this was going to be an incredible. How could it not be an incredible fight? You got Justin Gaethje who does nothing but come forward, and you got Edson Barboza, one of the best strikers on the planet. How is this not going to be made for just an excellent, excellent clash? And these two threw down it was incredible these guys with those devastating kicks we know that Justin Gaethje likes to come with that lower leg kick that hobbles his opponents that really debilitates his opponents and kind of wounds them so he can continue to bring that pressure forward we know that Justin Gaethje has this zombie style he's been about one of the most fan-pleasing fighters on the entire roster since he has entered into the UFC but had a couple of hiccups. He had he had losses to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, who are two absolute monsters. You're talking about Eddie Alvarez, a former champion, and we'll get to what happened to him overnight. Um, and then you have Dustin Poirier, who is fighting for the interim title and has been one of the best lightweights on the planet. So there's no shame in that game. Like uh, Justin Gaethje is fighting. He's going from the World Series of Fighting, where he was a champion, he was undefeated, coming into the big show, and he has taken on absolute monsters right away. And it's a different level. These guys are, are, are absolutely spectacular in everything that they do. And not only that, um, the toughness thing, it's sometimes not enough. But sometimes it is enough. Sometimes it is, it is just that pressure that helps your opponent wilt. And he's had two victories now over James Vick and Edson Barboza that have been absolutely sensational. And you know that the UFC is going to want a guy like Justin Gaethje in the title picture again real, real soon, which is something I think that he can get to real, real soon. But this win over Edson Barboza, it was so impressive, not only because Edson Barboza is no joke. I know he's fallen on hard times a little bit lately because of uh, the caliber of opponents, but that is just, you know, it's almost like you have to grade 155 pounds a little bit differently because of 
how good it is. Because you look at the people that he's lost to, and he's lost to Habib, he's lost to Kevin Lee, and he's lost to Justin Gaethje. All, all of those guys are top 10 quality guys. There's no breaks for Edson Barboza. But the one thing you could say about this strategy that Justin Gaethje was bringing to the table, you know, Edson is a guy who, yes, he is an absolutely devastating striker. But part of the danger of fighting him is that you're going to fight him at his distance. You're going to fight him where he wants you to fight because everybody is scared of those crazy kicks to the body, those crazy wheel kicks that could catch you on the head. He he has the most hellacious kicks in the game. So if you have a guy in Justin Gaethje who, you know, is not trying to mince words, he knows it hurts. He knows that it's a different level of pain that he has to go through. But if you if you <laughs> If you have to deal with that, if you're able to deal with that, you could still be in Edson Barboza's kitchen. There's going to be a level of discomfort there because this is a guy who has now been held down by Habib. He has been beaten down by Kevin Lee. So if you do get a hold of him, if you do get it within that close range, it does take a bit away of his best weapons. It does take away his best assets. And so Justin Gaethje was, was able to put that forth. And it's not to say that Edson wasn't getting his own off in that in that uh in those exchanges he was his hands were quick he was catching just against you but just didn't look like he was putting the same infliction of pain and effectiveness that Gaethje was and as they were on the break Gaethje just hits him with a monster shot puts him down done immediately fights over and he takes himself out the number six ranked guy Justin Gaethje was ranked eighth going into it now has a uh has an interesting Road ahead as he said that he wants all the guys who are ahead of him. He was upset that Donald Cerrone uh, got to jump him for beating the number 15 guy in the uh, in the entire ranking system. But, you know, look, this is this is a guy in Donald Cerrone. I, I can't fault too much. Donald Cerrone is a, a championship quality fighter. He is uh, he's he's a fan favorite. So it's not surprising. And, you know. Justin Gaethje, we've seen him in there with the tops of the tops, and, and, and he got bested. So he does have some rehabbing to do. It's it's great that you beat James Vick, number 13 in the world, and now that you've beaten Edson Barboza. But, you know, Edson Barboza has now suffered a, a bunch of losses and, and has a little bit of um, workshopping to do as far as where he wants his career path to be. Is that jumping to another division? I don't know. Um, welterweight's also a monster. It's a complete bear. And, you know, featherweight seems way too small for him so i don't know if the i don't know if the jump to another weight class is there but you know edson is a guy who has such sensational abilities with those kicks with that striking that you know a couple of of devastating wins nobody wants to fight edson barboza and a couple of devastating wins and he could be right back in there i mean that's that's just how closely contested it is there at 155 pounds but you know, he was talking about wanting to fight. He mentioned Donald Cerrone's name. Donald is going to be fighting Ally Quinta upcoming, so they're both taken out. Also ahead of him is Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee is moving to welterweight. He's out. Dustin Poirier is tied up. He's fighting Max Holloway. Tony Ferguson is doing, you know, he's he's kind of rehabbing some, some mental stuff that he's going through and personal stuff that he's going through. He's out. Conor McGregor, we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, has retired, quote-unquote, and... Who does he really go with? I mean, Justin Gaethje doesn't really have a dance partner. And, in fact, this was brought up last night by Paul Felder on the broadcast. And he says, like, look, man, you don't have any dance partners. There's nobody really here. Everybody's kind of tied up or retired or not fighting. Uh, would you want to fight me? And he kind of took offense to that because 
Paul Felder is ranked ninth behind him, and he didn't like the fact that Paul Felder was stealing his shine. But there is this to say with Justin Gaethje. Like, I think for him, just racking up wins is probably the best course of action right now because, one, there's a lot of, and, and Kevin Lee mentioned this week, there's a lot of politics that's involved with the 155-pound title. There's going to be a fight in a couple of weeks between Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier where whoever wins that is supposed to fight Khabib next. So the title's kind of up in the air right now. Connor, of all the options out there, I can't imagine him wanting to fight Justin Gaethje. Fun fight. If we're just going to talk about, hey, would you like to see Justin Gaethje versus Conor McGregor? 100%. But, you know, Conor McGregor is right now in a battle with the UFC because he doesn't feel like they're giving him his just due when it comes to the money he deserves. So I can't imagine him wanting to jump in there to fight Justin Gaethje. It just... It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If we're going to talk about, like, the most uh, famous people in that division, you know, it's going to be Nate Diaz, Donald Cerrone, or Habib, or for the belt, or something like that. It's not going to be against Justin Gaethje. You know, it's it, it does it, the juice isn't worth the squeeze there for, for Conor McGregor. So I can't imagine that being in play. And, you know, Dustin is a guy that he's continued to mention because he says he wants that fight back. But Dustin's not going to go down to fight him if he has the belt. If he has the belt, he's going to be either fighting Habib. Then if Habib, if for some reason, can't fight, he gets injured, something like that goes down, the Connor fight then all of a sudden makes a lot of sense because Connor's beaten him before at featherweight, so that fight could come back into play. Um, I just don't see Dustin in his future. Ally Quinta, Cowboy Cerrone winner. Could definitely see that, but I could say if Ally Quinta wins that fight over Don Cerrone, don't really know uh, why they'd want to get in there with him. Um, so I would say here's the thing with with Justin fighting Paul Felder is not that crazy. You yourself called out the ridiculousness of the rankings in your post fight press conference when you were like, "I don't understand why Don Cerrone jumped me." Well, if we're looking at the rankings, Paul Felder, you jumped him. Or you've just, you're just ahead of him. So if the rankings are so wonky, in your opinion, that's a hell of a fight. It's a, it's a really good fight. I'd definitely be into that. Um, does it do a lot for him in the big scheme? I think for this, it does this. It puts three in a row, which I think is always great. It's, it's bigger than just having the two straight wins. You're taking on a guy that nobody really loves facing in Paul Felder, and you're kind of just building the win streak back up. I think that's kind of the benefit right now. Because I don't think I don't think looking at the rankings at 105, I don't think there is a perfect opponent for him right now. So why not take on a guy who you match up well with, who you probably could beat, and you get another win over a guy who's well known. He's a UFC commentator. Um, I don't think that fight makes is, is very is is crazy for Justin Gaethje. I don't think it is because there's just nothing else out there right now. I mean, could it be Tony Ferguson's return fight? I guess there's nothing really I don't we don't know anything it's it's tough to know where Tony Ferguson's at I mean I guess if he were to come back yeah that would make sense um but he's not right now and we heard from Dana White this week that Habib is not coming back until September because of his suspension and and Ramadan so you're not going to get a title shot right away and yeah everything else we've kind of been over so yes he wants to take on all these guys who are ahead of him but a lot of these guys are tied up right now now some of them are going to shake out pretty soon, so we could be seeing 
let's say Justin Gaethje again in August, and maybe something shakes out that way and becomes more in his wheelhouse. But very, very interesting night. Very interesting uh, win for him. Very sensational win for him. So when we come back, we'll get to a little bit more of UFC Philadelphia. Big matchups yesterday. He won championship. They had their big launch card as far as the Bleach Report Live was concerned. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson making his debut at one. Eddie Alvarez making his debut at one. We'll get to that. Plus, a big, big card shaking out for the summer. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Let's get to a little bit more last night. UFC Philadelphia recap, the main card for you. By the way, I know I'm being a spoiled East Coast brat here, but I don't care. This this 7 o'clock main card start, mwah, delicious UFC. Oh, done with the main event by 10 o'clock. Oh, 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 that was spectacular yesterday. I mean, more of the, hey, if this is what I got to sacrifice for these for the CSPN Plus nonsense, keep it up. It was it was absolutely great. Normally, a main card starts at 10 p.m. It was over. It was over. I didn't know what to do with myself. I had a whole Saturday night. 10 o'clock on? Oh, it just—it was like it was like running through the tulips. So much time, but it was really like the car was humming. There was a lot of quick. Uh, there was a lot of quick results. Um, yeah, Sadiq Youssef he got himself a win over Shimon Marias. He won by decision to start off the main card. Twenty nine, twenty eight on two cards. Twenty nine, twenty seven on the other. Good performance by him. Paul Craig, uh, he got himself a win, uh, beating Kennedy uh, Nuchukwu. He beat him by submission. Two minutes in uh, to. Uh, uh, four minutes and 20 seconds into the round. So good win for him. Uh, Michelle Waterson, Carolina Kolakavich. This was a really big fight as far as the women's strawweight was concerned because, you know, strawweight's definitely looking for contenders. Who's going to be next in line there for Rose Damius and Jessica Andrade, whoever comes out of that on top. And Michelle Waterson, like, look, she is a star. Uh, you can just tell by some people the, the the charisma that they possess, the way they fight, the way they carry themselves. Uh, the Karate Hottie is a star. She She's a mom. She's got a great story. She has a pleasing fight style. It's, it, you know, she, if she could be ended up being champion one day or in a championship, I think it would be an absolute blockbuster for him. She's been a big ratings draw for them in the past. Uh, people like watching her fight. And she put on a great performance against Carolina Kovacavich, which is not an easy matchup. She's given fits to a lot of people. She's beaten a lot of great opponents. And... You know, she just sits back on that cage with that little sly grin on her face, and you just think, what is going through this lady's head? Because she is too calm to be in an octagon right now. You know, like, there's two things that were – there's her and Justin Gaethje who's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I go into this octagon, and I'm not nervous. There's something wrong with me. Um, those types of fighters, like, every one of these these people who step into the cage are, are, are tougher than, uh, than hell, but – there does seem like there's a little extra level of, I don't want to call it crazy, but the comfort level that they have being in that cage is weird. And that's what Carolina Kolakiewicz brings every single time she fights. But Michelle Watterson, she gave her the business, like had everything working better for her. She was a little quicker, a little crisper on her strikes, was able to take her down, something that is not easy to do against Carolina, and was able to shut her out. 30-27 on all three cards. Wasn't very close and puts herself... Nicely in line for whoever comes out on top at UFC 237 for the women's strawweight title. 
Per versus Thug Rose would be a fun fight, man. Andrade is a bully, so I you, you can't you can't quite look at this and say uh, and pencil it in for you know maybe a late summer, early fall matchup to whomever comes out of that with the title. But uh, her versus Rose would be a fun, fun fight, and I'm sure that's what the UFC does want to come out. But look, man, Rose is going to Brazil to fight a Brazilian. Andrade is no joke; she's like a little tank. Uh, that's a tough matchup for 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 the champ who is. You know, been able to handle Joanna and Jacek a couple times in a row now, but now she has to go into these new waters. Always challenging. So, great win for Michelle Waterson. This was a fight I was really interested in. Josh Emmett against Michael Johnson. Uh, crossroads fight for both of these guys. You know, Michael Johnson is trying to find this new home at Featherweight. And I'm a big fan of Michael Johnson. We've had him in studio a couple times before. He's a really good dude. Trains down here. And talented as all hell. You know, like, this is the thing when, you've, when, when you're talking about the menace, he has got these fast lightning hands. You know, Michael Johnson, it, we look back, we're going to look back at Michael Johnson one day, and we're going to say, like, you know, that he's going to be played on highlight after highlight, depending on how great Khabib is, and be like, he's the guy, he's the guy that almost got Khabib. Because that, that, that shot that he hit Khabib with in their fight, it, it really rattled him. You know, I know, like, the, Oh, he did not rattle me. Listen, it was just it was just one little hit. No, nah, man. That hit was no joke. And everybody's going to look to that. They look to that like we looked to Floyd Mayweather versus Shane Mosley, that second round. We're like, Phew. you guys remember the round that, 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 that someone almost got Floyd Mayweather? That's what it's like. Like, we're going to be digging through the archives looking for the times where we almost got Khabib, and we're going to look to that Michael Johnson fight. And so this fight against Josh Emmett, it's a it's a great slugfest between these two. But Michael looked like he was getting his comfort level, man. He, I would say, it was a pretty even first round. Um, you could go either way on it, really, really even. But the second round, Michael's timing was great. He was crisp. He was fast. He was fine. Everything right. And I feel like we talk about this a lot when he fights. Like, there's just, there's all these fights we can look to and just say, man, he looked so good had a period of this fight and then there was just an adjustment he didn't realize or there was just something he didn't see coming there's a blind spot and that's where it all got derailed and so the same thing's happening it looks like it's all in cruise control he might be on his way to a decision win and josh emmett hits him with this right hand from hell puts him down over immediately vicious vicious knockout and Josh Emmett gets the win. Knocks him out four minutes and 14 seconds into the third round. Only 45 seconds left in the fight. And gets himself a win. And uh, Good win for Josh Emmett. You feel good. He had the big bounce back. He had that devastating knockout loss to Jeremy Stevens where he was getting close to a title shot. But, uh, you know, with 145, that's kind of going to be up in the air depending on what happens with Max Holloway. Um, you know, Maybe he gets himself right back in there, getting himself this kind of a win, a, a, a very big statement win over a dangerous dude. And uh, Jack Ramon said he got himself a win over David Branch. He guillotine choked him about 49 seconds. Barely a fight. It was crazy. He got him immediately, choked him out. It was vicious, and it was over. So there's that. Uh, news over the night, though, we had one championship that went down. And the big news out of this for our American fans who aren't familiar with one championship, as I know I'm diving into this as well, one championship is where uh, Ben Askren was uh, most recently champion. Uh, Asian promotion. They're trying to make a splash over here. They've signed Demetrius Johnson, 
uh, Eddie Alvarez and Sage Northcutt. That's kind of been their three prong face of uh, you know of UFC guys who are going to be maybe the uh, the bridge to making it a big deal over here. And Demetrius Johnson made his debut yesterday. I shouldn't say yesterday. I should just say today. It was earlier today. And he won via second-round guillotine. Not an easy fight. Not an easy fight. A little bit of a challenge for, for Mighty Mouse, but was able to sink in just a nasty guillotine to get the win in the second round. But the big surprise out of this was Eddie Alvarez. Uh, he got knocked out by Timofey Nastyukin, a big Russian. And he bullied him. Bullied him. Knocked him out in the first round. The closing minute. And uh, vicious law. We haven't seen Eddie Alvarez get pummeled like that really since the McGregor fight. Because that's, that's Eddie Alvarez. One of the toughest dudes to ever ever grace a cage. He's Bellator champion, UFC champion. No one's ever done that before. And he is an absolute badass. And he, he, got, he got folded up yesterday. He got folded up against a big, dangerous opponent. So... Tough loss for Eddie Alvarez in his one championship uh, debut. But, you know, he's such a warrior. I'm sure he'll bounce back, and he's such a fan favorite. But that's uh, that's always tough. When you're the UFC guy, and you move on over. We've seen this with Bellator a couple times where you're like Lorenz Larkin or Ben Henderson, and you make that move from UFC to Bellator, and it doesn't quite go the way you think it is. You think just because you fall in that promotion, uh, everybody thinks you should destroy everybody. A lot of talented fighters all over the planet. A lot of tough people all over the planet, and step into that cage, um, you know, you could get, you could get, you get pieced up. And that's what happened to Eddie Alvarez. So let's get into some of the news of the week. the The biggest news of the week was Conor McGregor. Not surprisingly, it's a uh, you know, it's funny when I do this. Uh, I, I have a I have a I have a show sheet like many people who do radio do of, of stories you want to get to. Conor McGregor has his own category. Like I like to break it up: UFC news, one championship news, boxing news. And then there's the Conor McGregor news. And the news this week uh, came early in the week where he says, Hey guys, quick announcement. I've decided to retire from the sport formerly known as Mixed Martial Art. Today, I wish all my colleagues well going forward in competition. I will join my former partners in this venture already in retirement. Proper pina coladas on me, fellas. So odd that he had uh, this this retirement come out. We've seen this once before in 2016 when he was in a little bit of a... uh, disagreement with the ufc as far as his responsibilities of promoting ufc 200 they wanted to come over to promote him versus nate he didn't want to do that they took him off the card dan's like everybody's got to do their responsibilities ended up fighting pretty recently thereafter i think it was ufc 202 doing the diaz fight but you know that uh it wasn't it wasn't prolonged this one is interesting because you know we're um we're a mayweather fight where he made a, a lot of handsome riches and where a, you know, seemingly success. I don't know how successful this uh, proper 12 has been, but everybody seems to, you know, Dana's in agreement. Connor's obviously going to say it's successful. People seem to think this is really popular. I know that when it first came out, it was hard to find. It was like, you know, people were, people were going crazy with it. So I don't know how good that is doing for him, but, it's, you know, I'd imagine it's doing well. And... This news comes out. Dana comes out with a statement quickly thereafter saying, basically, good for Connor, man. Like, he has the money to retire. He should retire. I'd probably retire if he, if he, if he, uh, if I had that, that ability, which he does actually have that ability. But, um, you know, he, uh, 
he is, it was almost like chipper. He's like, ah, right, good for Connor. So we find out in the meanwhile that there is a negotiation rift. Like he was on uh, Jimmy Fallon the week beforehand that aired on Monday and was kind of saying, like, you know, he wants his just due, wants his worth. We've heard this thing about the co main event squabble that he had between him and Cerrone and that wasn't happy with the placement of the card. And we're starting to hear again from Connor that he wants ownership in the company. So much so that yesterday he challenged uh, Mark Wahlberg to a fight for his shares in the company. And, uh, you know, this is a different comment for the UFC. Like, they got a guy here who, much like in boxing where these guys are a part of the promotion, Connor wants in on that, and we've seen this McGregor sports entertainment, all that stuff, the thing that he put under the guise of the Mayweather fight. But ultimately, he's just been a guy who fought for the UFC, but has just been the most successful UFC fighter of all time. And UFC has really hard contracts to get out of. We see this all the time. They have amazing lawyers. So, you know, if this stuff's ever going to get challenged, it's going to have to be by a guy of the fame and power of McGregor to get out of it. But is he done fighting? I don't know. You know, he's down here. He is training at Fight Club Doral, where he's sparring boxing. Um, So he's staying in shape. He's not doing nothing. So it seems like he wants to fight. But there's a rift here with the UFC. This is the one thing, though. You know, I would say with Connor, the UFC, he's got a couple of things going against him. One, he's not in line for a title fight right now. The division's too damn good, and he doesn't deserve it. So where do you go from there? Do you do fun fights like the Cowboy fight? Sure. We'd all love to see that. We'd love to see the Nate Diaz fight. And as I mentioned with the Justin Gage thing, like, he's got such a fan-friendly style. Like, put him against Tony Ferguson, Max Holloway rematch, Dustin Poirier rematch. They're all great matches with Conor McGregor. Um, but the, the problem is, like, none of them are perfect. It always seemed like Conor, for his entire UFC career, always had the roadmap. He always had a plan of somewhere to go, whether it was the crawl to Jose Aldo to then go get the next belt against Eddie Alvarez or when it diverted off to Nate Diaz when he was going to fight Rafael Dos Anjos, ended up taking on Nate late, lost to him, had to get that rematch back, then back to go after getting the lightweight belt. Um, we're kind of in a place right now, no GSP active, no, uh, no real perfect dance partner for Conor McGregor. UFC also just signed this monster deal with ESPN+. Plus. Seems like they got a nice little nest egg that don't quite have the pressure to sell the pay-per-views that they did. So I don't know if Dana's really in this position where he's going to want to bend to Connor on everything because he may think, how many fights left does this guy really have? How many fights does he have left? Like if we were, you know, if Connor was anybody, you'd think, oh, he's 31. He could be fighting for the next seven years if he wanted to. Yeah, if he wanted to, but you don't know how much longer he's got. I love watching Conor McGregor fight. It's it, he's he's amazing, but we are in this pattern where Conor is never going to get back to what he was, and that's not to say he can't win a title again, and that's not to say that he's not the creme de la creme in the lightweight division. What I'm talking about there is there's a rise 
with fans and fighters watching a guy become the best, become larger than life. There's a rise with that. That's like it, it's like it's it, it's like a magic you can't ever recreate. The buzz you feel for a McGregor fight when he was knocking guys out as he predicted it until he got to the Jose Aldo fight. It's there's going to be nothing like that. Then he goes and has the Nate Diaz fights. Those are fantastic for different reasons. And then you have him winning the second belt with Eddie Alvarez, talking his way into a Mayweather fight. When you talk your way into a Mayweather fight, you do have to stand around and look and be like, man, where do we go from here? What What is the next step? And I think a lot of us looked around and were like, yeah, what is the next step from here? You're going to go back to the UFC and fight for less than $100 million, and you're going to go fight Khabib and I guess reclaim your belt? Cool. Um but now that you kind of see that he's not in Khabib's class, he's not the best anymore. Um, you know, I don't know. Is the comeback story? The comeback story always sells well. But I think a lot of people who are savvy fight fans are looking around, and be like, "Look, man, I just don't see his path to beating that guy. I don't see his path to beating that guy. I don't know if I see his path to beating Tony Ferguson." And it's 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 a little bit of even if he does beat those guys. I don't know if it's going to feel like the old Conor McGregor. And I think the UFC's feeling that way too. And I think they're looking at this and saying, man, do we want to bend over for this guy, give him everything that he wants for him to maybe win the belt again? Maybe he tar- maybe he gets his ass kicked even worse and he tarnishes his legacy even worse. Maybe they don't think he's the same fighter anymore. And if that's the case, we just gave this guy like ownership of the company for what? He's not the same guy anymore. He's had his run. So, I don't know. And then, of course, we also we can't ignore the fact that came out this week that um, there was this, on the same day that he retires, the New York Times reports that he's being investigated in Ireland for sexual assault. Um, I wasn't surprised that this news dropped because I kind of found out this, this wormhole like in January of this Irish superstar or this Irish sports star that had been accused of this stuff. Man, details on these stories are brutal. Only thing is, in Ireland, you can't report who it is, but Ireland, uh, how many Irish sports stars are there? said it wasn't a soccer player, so kind of limiting your options there. I don't know if it's true. I know that this thing has been going on for a while. Um, Supposedly, the person who's involved with this uh, does know him through friends. So, I don't know. It's it, it, if it ends up being a thing where he gets convicted, obviously it's a death blow to him. Um, but if this is some, this is the thing that has to be pointed out. If he he has been questioned by police, he has been brought in already. This is just stuff that we're all just learning now. And um, you know, does the UFC? I mean, honestly, when you get this McGregor news, because it was a little bit too convenient that this all happened on the same day. And people are wondering, well, did Connor retire because he knew this was coming out? I don't think so. In fact, if I were to put my money on it, I would bet the UFC probably leaked it, to be honest with you. Because Ireland's not supposed nobody in Ireland is supposed to do that. It's against the law. You're not supposed to reveal anybody is accused of anything. You can only announce when somebody's been convicted of this crime. So, look, this is a dirty business. Would you put it past? Dana White in the UFC to throw out there 
this thing that's kind of been hovering around Ireland? Because obviously they know. They're not going to. You think they're going to not know that their biggest star is involved in this stuff? I don't know. I just, I, I looked at it. Obviously, the timing is all too convenient. But if I were to look and see what Connor's been saying about how he feels like he's been disrespected in negotiations, Dana's response, and then this news, I, I look at it and I say, like, to me, it's more likely that the UFC leaked that or somebody from their side leaked it more so than Connor knew it was coming out. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Big card shaking out for the UFC this summer. UFC 239 announced this week. John Jones, he is going to be fighting Tiago Santos. You're going to have Amanda Nunes against Holly Holm on that card. It was just reported this weekend that you're going to get Francis Ngannou against Junior Dos Santos. <gasps> That's a big one. That is a big one. Woo! But I'm very excited for this. It was announced this week. Miami's own Jorge Masvidal will be making his return to the cage this July against Ben Askren. Now, I'm a little surprised George took the fight. Not only because, not because uh, of the matchup, because it is a tough matchup. You know Ben Askren is going to do the thing that George hates the most, which is he's not going to stand up there and trade. He is not going to try and outstrike a guy who's as lightning fast as Masvidal, who just did what he just did to Darren Till and what he's done to many people in the UFC. I'm surprised he took the matchup because George's styles, he likes to make fun fights and feels like Ben Askren can go in there and make it a super boring fight. Like he could try and take him down and uh, neutralize him and, you know, take, uh, take away his, his best asset, which is him on his feet. Uh, but the fight lead up to this is going to be absolutely epic. And, Look, George is good at everything. This is not a, a cakewalk. Where I felt like if you looked at the Askren-Darren Till fight, Till's got size on him, and maybe that would be a problem for him as far as taking him down. Masvidal is just good at everything. It's hard to take him down. It's it's hard to submit him. It's hard to do anything to him. You maybe outpoint him every now and then. Maybe you could maybe you could uh, beat him to the punch and, and maybe get a couple more strikes on him, and it'll go to the judges. But dominate, uh, knock him out things like that, not bloody likely. But these two, the the heat has, has gotten pretty great. You know, George has uh, just got back into Miami and put out this just epic video uh, blasting Ben Askren and saying that he doesn't even have a win in the UFC over the Robbie Lawler thing. I thought the best method, though, I really did think this with Ben Askren. I did think the best method, if we were going to say what would be the best matchup for Ben Askren next, I really thought he should have run back the Robbie Lawler thing because I thought he bleeped up in the lead-up to Masvidal. Till. He, he, like, ignored Masvidal. He even think that he had a shot to beat Darren Till, and he destroyed him. And he kind of was just left here with his thumb up as you-know-what. Like, oh, uh, well, I guess Masvidal won. You know, so he's kind of been going at him on Twitter saying, oh, you're a chicken, George, call me out. It's like, bro, what are you talking about? Talk about a guy who's been, who's been, who's been fighting forever. Like, really, like Ben Askren, you fight forever, you're going the chicken route. It's the guy who's who fighting in the backyards of Miami. Guy's been fighting in, in promotion after promotion. Who has been doing this as a, as a living forever. That's that's what we're going chicken. That's the route. Either way, uh, it is the matchup they're going to go with. I will say this. 
he's going to be a better fight-promoting dance partner than Robbie is for Ben. This is the one couple of things. One, Robbie Law is a tough matchup for anybody. He, he, almost, he almost folded up Ben Askren in about 20 seconds' time uh, before ending up in that bulldog choke, which he didn't tap out to. But Masvidal is not going to play. Like we've already seen with the Leon Edwards thing. You might you might be you might you might come to an interview and leave with a with a three piece and a soda. So I, I I love the fact that these guys are going to have a great a great card that they're gonna be on and they're going to be in a great lead up and all that stuff. And I do feel like it's gonna make for people being crazy for the a, because here's the thing. If we look at this card that's shaken out. Francis Ngannou versus Junior Dos Santos. Awesome, violent fight. Neither one of them is going to say a thing. Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. Two of the nicest individuals you've ever put in front of a microphone. Not exactly going to be a lot of bitterness there. John Jones versus Tiago Santos. You know, it's great to see John's taking on all comers, and we've gotten to see the best to ever do it in the octagon three straight three times now in eight months. But he's kind of just taking on a guy who's dangerous. That's the storyline, and the storyline is John's greatness kind of continue, and or could Tiago have the upset? It's very similar to Anthony Smith. Can't imagine there's going to be a lot of bad blood. Need a little bit of spark, a little bit of a little bit of fire when it comes to this international fight week, and that's what Masvidal and Askren are going to bring to you. A hell of a matchup, a fun clash of styles, and a lot of a lot of bleep talking, a lot of, a lot of a lot of realness when it comes to the talking too. It's not going to be gimmicky. And that's and that's what you love as a fan. So, although I wasn't high on it initially because I kind of felt like Askren dropped the ball with him going to London and thinking that Till was going to steamroll Junior uh, Hori Masvidal and Masvidal stuffed Darren Till into a locker. I I'm I'm excited that it is here and that we are going to get it. And I do feel like that international fight week card needs a little bit of spice to it. And so it's good that it has. Askren versus Masvidal to bring that to you. Um, other news and notes that we have this week. We have upcoming this next week, if you guys are interested in a little bare-knuckle brawling. Dada 5000 is presenting the brawl for it all. He is bringing the Trigon to Wyoming. Now, we've had Dada in here. He literally brings a fire extinguisher to the studio. So in case the microphone is on fire, he can put it out. But I'm excited to see this Trigon. I'm not gonna lie. Like even when I was I was at uh I was at ATT pretty recently when I was doing some media stuff over there. And you know, people are like, I want to see this Trigon in action. I want to see what this is. You got a, a triangle cage? I want to see what that's about. Like if you guys remember the original Dogfight, if you haven't seen Dogfight, Billy Corbin's documentary, they put years into it. It's really, really good. It's on Netflix. Uh, they used to fight in a triangle in the backyard. But the backyard was like, it was like uh, construction tape and four and three poles. But it made for confrontation. No, it's an actual cage. It's pretty badass. So you got that. And then you've got uh, Artem Lobov, Conor McGregor's guy, who is making his bare-knuckle debut off of his UFC career. That's going to be on Saturday night. So next week, boxing's a little bit lackluster. UFC's a little bit lackluster. There's no UFC. But you just have a little bit, bit of a bare-knuckle fighting going down. Kind of cool. I'm going to be intrigued by it. Not going to lie. Going to fire that puppy up on my fire stick, see how that all rolls out. 
Let's see what it's got. Let's see what we got. Just find it up on a Friday night. Let's see what. It, let's just have some fun. Let's just let's just let's just tune in and see what we got. We know it's gonna be, and I'm sure it's gonna be an awesome promotion. And one thing I know about Dada Five Thousand, that dude knows how to promote. That guy knows how to sell a product. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by seeing what he's got for us there and bringing bare knuckle fighting to a trigon. Sounds absolutely badass. All right, everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast, uh, radio.com or iTunes. And again, if you guys would, uh, started the show with it, awesome cause coming up May 18th. The March for Cancer is back. D.C. Alexander Park, a 5K run walk right there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. An awesome, awesome, awesome cause that Seaman Tommy Guns put together for those who are fighting cancer right now, um, getting money to those people and the helps with their fight right then and there. Daily expenses, trips to treatment, all that stuff involved. It's an amazing, amazing cause and work that they do for this. Marchforcancer.org is how you register, or if you just want to donate, you can do it there as well. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. We are done. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.